your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6, I'm, I want to talk with you this morning about a subject, a topic that we are all familiar with, we've all struggled with. Uh, I don't know one person on the planet who has not, if it's not something occasionally, it's at least weekly, if not daily, and it uh, saps you of your strength, it saps you of your joy. <laughs> It makes you physically tired, it'll make you irritable, it could send you to the doctor with headaches and stomach aches and make you anxious about the future. What am I referring to? You have a big hint on the screen. <laughs> worry, worry, free from worry. Wouldn't it be nice if you just woke up every day and that's how you felt about life? It's just like, I'm just going to blow bubbles today and, <laughs> and enjoy my life. So let's just, let's just begin with, with prayer Father, we thank you um, for this day. This is the day that you've made, and we will rejoice, Lord, and be glad in it. I thank you for the people here at, at Community Life Church. I thank you for the people listening uh, to the message online. We dedicate this time, Lord, and this place to you. We dedicate our hearts to you. I pray that your presence, Father, would captivate our hearts. I pray, Lord, that as I just minister from your word, that I would decrease and that you would increase. And that you would speak through me, Lord, that people would hear you, people would hear your wisdom, your guidance for their lives. You have something to say, Holy Spirit, to every person in this room today. And I pray, Lord, you give us each ears to hear, Lord, and hearts that are obedient and willing to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Everybody agree with that prayer said amen, right? Amen. Well, part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is where Matthew uh, chapter 6 comes from, Jesus had just spoken to the people about money, basically talking about what Jason here was talking about. And he was describing to them how money can become a master in your life, that you're either going to bow down in fear of money and not having enough, or you're going to bow down to God. That He's saying that you cannot serve money and God. Okay, so he's talking to people about their everyday life. And then he goes on in Matthew 6, this is verse 25, and I'm going to read to you, from the Amplified. We don't have it up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to just try to follow along. Uh, this is Jesus talking. He says, therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy or anxious and worried about your life, what you shall eat, or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth more, much more than they? Verse 27, and who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure to your stature or the span of your life? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn how they grow. They don't toil and spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his magnificence was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and it's green, and tomorrow it's tossed into the furnace, will he not much more surely clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore, verse 31, do not worry and be anxious, saying, what are we going to have to eat? What are we going to have to drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? For the Gentile heathen wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. But, verse 33, he says, but aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. And then, and all these other things... <laughs> taken together, basically, that we tend to worry about, will be added to you besides. Verse 34, so don't worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Yeah. So Jesus is obviously wanting us to deal with this issue of worry. And, you know, there's one translation that puts verse... 25 where it says uh, on my mind it says stop being uneasy and worried about your life one translation says take no thought for your life <laughs> and i can re 
remember when I first read that, I just laughed because I thought, that's all we do is take thought for our life. We think about ourselves, don't we? All these things, how, what if I don't have enough and I need to have this and I have to wear that? And we think about our life. To take no thought for our life is a whole different way to live. And the tendency to worry is just, it's universal to the human condition. I mean, if we let our minds, and we all do, we can worry about anything. I mean, any little thing. And even like the big things we worry about, if you have a family, you worry about your kids. You know, how are my kids doing? How are they going to turn out? We, we worry about these things. Money, well, am I going to have enough? Jason just mentioned inflation coming. We're talking about, we see in the news, supply shortages are on the horizon. It's like money, am I going to have enough money? Is my money going to be worth anything? And the economy, is it going to crash? Am I going to lose everything? People worry about this stuff. They jump out of windows for it. Job, my job is it stable. I need this promotion. If I don't have this promotion, I won't have enough money. I, I wonder if I'm going to get this promotion. How can I get it? Our health, we worried about our health. I mean, it's like a blanket of worry went over the world with COVID, did it not? We worry about aging parents. If you have aging parents, how will I take care of them? What will I do? We worry about our marriage, you know, if our marriage is in a struggle. Just the whole state of the world. Turn on the news. I mean, we talk about early birth pains. This is an early birth pain. Get ready. Jesus is coming back. Some of that makes people just get worried. Instead of prepare, we tend to go into this worry. We worry about the future. It's just it's, some of this is natural to the human condition. And Jesus knew his followers would worry. Yet he tells us not to worry. So that tells us we have, by the grace and power of God, the ability yes. not to worry. All right? Okay. So he's given us the power, apparently, he has, and the grace to overcome the worry habit. And I call it a habit because worry is like a bad mental habit. It's a bad mental habit, a negative thought pattern that just doesn't factor in God in the picture. Worry is just like we revolve in our mind over and over again, the same thing. And we don't come up with a solution. We just think about it. We think about it from all different angles, and it's, no angle seems right. No angle seems doable, which just creates more anxiety. So we talk about it with a person, and the more we talk about it, the bigger it gets. And there's still no answer. And then we just become more uneasy, troubling. I mean, worry can end up tormenting. Yeah, it'll torment people. People have done crazy things out of worry, lock themselves in the houses, you know, not come out. I'm worried about germs. I'm worried about seeing people and what they think of me. The dictionary defines worry. I thought this was really interesting. One dictionary defined worry as an action that seizes something with the teeth by the throat and chokes and shakes and mangles it. That's not a pretty picture, is it? To worry something. It's almost like if you could picture a dog grabbing a stuffed animal, you know, if it had a neck and just shaking it, shaking it, shaking it, worrying it until all the stuffing falls out. <laughs> yeah. That's the definition of worry. And, you know, I think continual worrying can sometimes even do that to us. You can become emotionally spent by just thinking and thinking and talking and and there's no solution to it. And it leaves us not just emotionally spent, but it begins even to have an effect on our physical body. I mean, studies have shown, medical science will admit that about 70% or so of the reasons for people to go to a doctor's office is because of the, the root problem. I mean, they might come in with stomach ulcers, but if you trace it back to the root problem, it's stress. Stress causes 70% of the reasons why we go to the doctor. Migraines, backaches, heart palpitations, you know, anxiety attacks. I mean, eventually stress causes worry, which causes anxiety, and then you're sleepless, and then you have, you know, fearful, and you get depressed, and all the things that worry does to us. And this is why Jesus, I mean, one main reason why he tells us not to worry, for one thing, it, it's a reflection of not trusting God, but it's also going to break down, you know, you, you emotionally it's going to break you down physically even. And he tells us what to do. He tells us to cast our 
care upon him, to factor him into the picture of your situation. (laughs) Instead of revolving around in our mind, what am I going to do? Somehow God is missing from that. This great big God who gives us breath in our lungs. It's in him we live and move and have our being. We say these things, but then somehow we end up in a a worrisome situation and we just want to figure it out ourselves. And he's saying, factor me into the picture. So worry is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of faith. It's like worry is trying to figure this out on my own. It doesn't seem like I have a solution. I'm getting upset about it. Faith and trust invites God into the picture, right? And faith and trust also have an effect on our mind and our body, don't they? I mean, there's this inner peace when you really start to do this. And it takes time. But there's this inner peace that starts to grow on the inside of you. You know, that I don't have to figure this all out. I don't have to have all the answers right now. Because it's almost like the devil sits on your shoulder. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. But God does. And I'm going to cast the care onto him. I don't have to figure it all out. But to get there, like, and th- because there's an inner peace that comes with that, but to get there, it involves surrender. You've got to surrender control. This is a biggie for us, folks. <laughs> surrender control. It takes prayer, and it takes continually casting your care upon the Lord and leaving it there. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. I think this is one of the ones we do have up on the PowerPoint this morning. If you would turn in your Bible, you might turn there quickly just to look at it there yourself so that you remember where these scriptures are. You want to highlight these things in your Bible as the Holy Spirit impresses them upon your heart. But 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, and this is from the Amplified Version, the translation. And really, the Amplified means it takes the meaning in the Greek And it expands it. It helps you understand what the writer, being inspired by the Holy Spirit in that day, was trying to say. And so casting, it says, the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, just for today. No. No. It says once and for all, right? Once and for all on him all once and for all on him why for he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully so his care for us he isn't like half-hearted oh he's so busy taking care of the world that i got a half eye here and but i'm taking care of all this and i'm barely watching you no it says he cares for you affectionately it's like a good parent who's watching the, everything their child is doing affectionately with love and watchfully and then the Greek carries this once and for all meaning not just occasionally cast your burdens I'll carry some of them I can give you this one but you know I can deal with this on the side it's saying cast your care unto the Lord once and for all so it's like a lifestyle God wants us to learn to live a care free lifestyle I think of that blowing bubbles (laughs) Doesn't that sound good? It almost seems like, oh, come on, who can be carefree? Well, the Lord is saying, if you cast your care once and for all on him, we can train our mind to not go down that negative worry groove and just stop ourselves and say, wait, I'm forgetting about God. Because we tend to go to these, what if the negative happens? But what if God happens? What if God shows up in this and does, it keeps his promise, right? Yeah, and the, I, again, I'm not saying that this is easy. I, personally, I mean, learning to let go and ob- learn to obey this and trust, cast my care when I didn't have an answer, I didn't see it in front of me, knowing just like that song we sing, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working, keep my eyes fixed on him in spite of it seemed like nothing's really changing around me. It, but it is to keep doing that over and over and over again every day in your life is not easy. It takes mind renewal, and it takes a relationship with the Lord where you're always like pushing the reset button. God, I'm doing this again. I thought I gave it to you. I took it back. 
over and over. But, but you know, the Lord is patient with us, Amen. isn't he? Hallelujah. And why is it hard? It's an issue of control. We want control. We want the answers. We want to see it now. Give me the 50-year you know, plan for my life, and I'll walk it out. And God says, no, I'll just, sufficient for the day is the trouble. It's like, what, one day? All you're going to show me is maybe one day about my life. And so it's hard to live in the presence of the Lord that way. It's hard to train ourselves, I think, and surrender. Uh, and really, since Adam and Eve fell in the garden... You know, people, mankind, men, women, children, teens, I don't care who you are on the earth, struggle with worry, nagging thoughts about what if, what if this happens or what if this doesn't happen, then what am I going to do? And again, I always, I, I think to myself, we always lean towards the what if it doesn't, you know, the negative, don't we? I mean, humans have what secular psychologists call a negativity bias, and maybe some of you have heard of that. It's just prone to take a negative outlook on things. I mean, have you ever found yourself like you're dwelling and fixating on a mistake that you made? Like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Oh, man, I did it in front of people. Why? If I just, oh, we, over and over and over again we do that, right? Or you, maybe you did something hurtful or embarrassing 20 years ago. And you're still thinking about it. And you're thinking, that was so dumb again, too. And people, they probably think people have forgotten about it 20 years ago. You're the one who's just going, they probably are still, no, they're not probably still thinking about it. You know, you're the one who's still ruminating about it. Or maybe you had a really good day at work until towards the end of the day, some coworker makes some kind of offhand comment that irritates you. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you just dwell and stew on it. And here you are driving home. You're still dwelling and stewing on it. You get home, and how was your day? And oh, it was good, but you go to the but, and then this happened. This coworker said this, and you start on the negative. Don't, we all do this, right? Yeah. We gravitate to the negative. Or you have an argument with your spouse, you know, and afterwards, you just find yourself thinking about all the negatives in that person. Oh, you know, this, 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 this. You just... Go over and over and over the person's flaws instead of reminding yourself of the good side of this relationship and the good character traits of that person. So, you know, I, in this whole thing about negativity bias, you know, this, the whole world, the secular world is all into evolution. So they blame the negativity on evolution. They said the early hunter-gatherers couldn't find enough berries that go out, and then they learned that, well, we'll probably not find enough berries, and so they became pessimistic, or the hunters. How many people hunt in here? You generally don't get an animal every time you hunt, right? So they didn't either, and so it was like, well, we probably won't get one, but we're just going to keep trying. But I just find it, it it's just kind of makes me chuckle. And so this evolutionary mindset of pessimism grew in the people. And I was like, well, yeah, I know, because I thought the truth of the matter is the tendency to be negative and to worry and expect to worse, try to do things for ourselves, figure it out ourselves. It's all an outcome of the fallen sin nature that we inherited from Adam in the garden. We inherited a fallen sin nature. You know, and so when we're born with this fallen sin nature, which is separated from the life of God, from knowing God's safety and security, his love in his presence, and then his care, like, I'll, he's big, I'll take care of you. Separated from that, we just try to figure it out on our own. We're, we're, we're going to do this. We can do it. We can pull ourselves up by the bookstraps and make it happen. But see, this is why we need to be born again. Yeah with God's nature then that dwells on the inside of us, one that's alive to God. And then see, God is teaching us in his word, now you don't live independent of me, you live dependent on me in every situation. And it's not weakness, you're right. But see, our carnal flesh always wants to just pull us towards that, the mind of the flesh, that pessimism, that negative, that worry. And it says... In Romans 8, it's enmity against God. They just clash all the time. But we have the ability to think with the mind of the Spirit, Amen. right? Yes. 
So when we renew our mind and go, oh, God wants me not to worry. He wants me to cast my care, give the situation over to him, and that's it. I mean, I'm kind of a pretty logical person, and so that, I, when I remember reading that thinking, that's it? Now what do I do? Like, what do, that's it? I'm supposed to rest right there? It was hard. I have to say it was very hard to learn to trust him and let it go. And I believe it's a challenge for everybody in here. I don't think I'm the only one. Jesus tells us, don't let your heart be troubled. And he tells us plainly, you are going to have trials and tribulations in this life. John 16. He says, sufficient for the day is the trouble they're in. Like, in other words, trouble's coming tomorrow, too. <laughs> you know? You're going to have it. But he says, take heart. Just like the song we sang, he's overcome the world for us. And we are not logical mind wants to say, how, 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 how? He's like, Jesus is like, leave it up to me. Just trust me. But see, and that's hard if you want to think things through and see the plan and have the outline and know when. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know, the world has its own answers for dealing with worry and anxiety. Have you noticed like all these gadgets and widgets now that are out there for distracting your mind like from uneasy thoughts? I didn't know what they were at first. I remember when Warren and Haley came into our house with his little pad and it has got all those colored, colorful pops on it and they're popping it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know. What's it called? Poppets? Poppets, yeah. <laughs> and they're popping, pop, pop, pop. I said, well, what's the game? Like, what do you do with it? Nothing. You just pop it. I said, well, what? Like, what's the fun of that? Pop, pop, pop. No, you pop it just to give you something to do. I couldn't get it, honestly. I, and then they had some kind of squeegee thing where you squeeze it and, you know, it's squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it. And then the little twirly, some kind of thing that you, I see them at the checkout counters. It's like, what is this? The little twirls and rings that you twirl and beads that you count. Everything to take, to focus your mind on something else. Take away uneasy thoughts. And I understand, like sometimes when kids maybe struggle with ADD or something, that it helps them to focus on something else, take their mind off, off of it. But I have to wonder, does that really work? Like, I think of that phrase, that little saying, worry is like a rocking chair, always in motion, but going nowhere. It's like, so you're pop, 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 squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. It's like, what's really happening here? Can that really eliminate the negative pattern of worry in my mind? I, I doubt it. Because worry and anxiety in our mind is just a product of a negative thinking pattern. It's a pattern of thought that we always run to. And it's like a groove then. Everything sort of goes into that direction. And popping widgets all day and squeezing these things and twirling is not going to fix our anxiety problem. I mean, so you put the widget down. What happens? Immediately, the thoughts come back. The worry comes back. I can't do this. What am I going to do? I'm mad. I'm scared. Again, all of it is stemming from a carnal mindset. And what is a carnal mindset exactly? I mean, it's a mind that doesn't have God factored into the picture. It's a mind that has lost its trust in, in, the, in, in the, a great big God who loves you and holds your life safely like in the palm of his hands. And we're talking about childlike faith and trust here. And the people, and even in the church, like we struggle with this trust in a great big God who loves you and holds your life in the palm of his hands. Look at Isaiah 49, 16. I do have this up on the PowerPoint. You want to turn there in your Bible. These were great scriptures. When I first read these scriptures, I mean, I highlighted, underlined, and would go back to them so often just in dealing with my own struggle with worry. Isaiah 49, 16 says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The Lord's not going to ever forget about you. It's like a tattoo, you know. He's engraved. He, he knows your name. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. And then Isaiah 41.10 says this. 
Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not. Why? For I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All right? Yeah. So see, he's holding us in his, in his hand. He's looking at our lives. He cares. It's like the first Peter. Affectionately, watchfully over our life. You're not dealing with your problem on your own. Your carnal mind wants you to think that, but it's false. It's a lie. He's holding you affectionately and watchfully in the palm of his hand. And the secret really to dealing with worry, handling fear, anxiety in our life is to know that, to trust that truth. Trust God with that truth with all of your heart. All all caps. (laughs) Surrendering, like those, the worrisome thoughts, the situation over to him, surrendering it into his hands and put it there by faith and then leave it there. That's the hard part, right? Leave it there. Pray and talk to him. Tell him, I'm done with this. I'm not going to try to figure this out. I'm giving this to you. Forgive me, Lord, for always just taking it back. Have a, have a talk with God. That's prayer. Surrender. Yeah, I need your help. I keep doing this. I hate worrying, Lord. I give you this situation. I like to sometimes visualize it in my mind, like I'm giving you this. I'm laying it at your feet. It helps me to just know it's there in, by faith in the Spirit. And again, I know the surrender part isn't easy because how many of us have done that? We feel like, yes, I did it. And then like three minutes later, you're going around in your mind. It's like, oh, my gosh, I took it back already. It takes courage to believe and have faith. It really does. People think, oh, faith in God is some kind of weak thing. No, it takes a lot of courage to believe and have faith. And then not just for the moment, but God is saying once and for all, this is for the long haul, because our life is not some sprint, oh, 50-yard dash, it's a marathon. So it's day by day by day by day by day by day. And if we're going to run this race, if we're going to run the race, we need to learn how to deal with worry so our bodies doesn't, don't break down, our minds don't break down. And we have, to keep, we have to learn childlike trust. And again, in the great big God who knows and sees you, he knows your name. It's written, he's holding you in the palm of his hand. In all the situations of your life, in all the messy little details, he sees it all. I mean, he knows, Scripture says, the number of hairs on your head. Have you ever, no, but have you ever, think about it, counting the hairs of your head. It's hard enough in patience to just comb a head of tangled hair. Like we were, <laughs> I was with my grandchildren in Virginia Beach there a couple weeks ago, and Adriel has this nice, real long, beautiful, long hair. But boy, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're getting ready for school, and the hair is like a tangled mess, and it's like, oh, sit down, and you're trying to get comb. It's just not enough patience to comb through it, let alone count the hairs, I mean, who cares? But God does. Think about it. He does. Luke 12, 6 says this. If you want to turn there, because this is not up on PowerPoint. Luke 12, 6. He says, <clears throat> wait, wait, all right, I'll get a drink of water while you turn. Luke 12, 6 says, are not five, this is Jesus talking again. He's trying to help us understand about this worry habit. He says, are not five sparrows sold for just two pennies? Not, 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 yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, this, a sparrow is the most common bird in the world. There's abundance amount of sparrows. There's, you've, we've all seen them. They're these small, kind of this drab brown color. They're little, nothing special really to look at. 
I mean, I have a bird feeder in the backyard, and and sometimes, for whatever reason, I mean, they, they say they're social birds, so they kind of come in groups, but sometimes they sit on the fence. It seems like there's like a whole, like 50 of them there, then they all fly to the bird feeder and scare the other birds, and they all fly away. And I think, you know, we're, we're not usually interested in attracting sparrows to our bird feeder. We want the prettier birds. We want the cardinals, right? We want the Baltimore Orioles in the summer, the yellow finches. But see, this still says that even one plain little brown sparrow isn't forgotten by God, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Like this seemingly insignificant little sparrow, God sees it. God's eye is even on the sparrow. Like Steve and I had lunch outside under an umbrella table with our son Ben this past week, and it was a nice sunny day. I mean, for November 10th, we could sit outside and eat in the sun. We were at Chipotle in Cranberry, and so we're just enjoying our lunch, and then all of a sudden, he, Ben notices that there's this little brown sparrow that just plopped down by his feet and hopping around by, you know, under our chair, and, and uh, he picks out a kernel of corn out of his Chipotle bowl and drops it on the ground, and that thing just, you know, attacked it, went right after it, mashed it up in its little beak. You know, it had like corn hanging off its beak, and then it would rub the beak on the cement to clean it off, and then it would just kept looking up at him, like tilting its head, cocking his head as though, you got any more of that? <laughs> and so he dropped down a little piece of a chip of a corn, and, and it had the best time. And we, we just so enjoyed watching this little thing enjoy get, filling up its belly on, it didn't like pinto beans, I can tell you that, it sort of went away. <laughs> But it liked the corn, you know. And we just enjoyed watching it, feeding it, just so innocent, so trusting. You know, then it just flew away happily. I'm thinking, oh, that, that was just, how did that bird know to do that? But see, I thought we saw all that, but God saw all that too. God was in that moment. It was like, his, yes, he was. His eyes on the sparrow. So it's like he was aware, like the big, great big God of the universe was taking care of everything, all powerful, all knowing. Seemingly, like in this, seemingly insignificant, but not to him. His eye was watchfully watching over that bird. His eye is on the sparrow. So, how much more would his eye be on you? Matthew 6 26 says this another thing with birds. It says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value, much more value than them? Sometimes we can learn a lot by just taking a look at nature and just seeing how God has provided. Because that little bird instinctively knew. <laughs> it just left its nest that morning. I'm sure it wasn't thinking, oh, I hope that I find food this morning. Yeah. I mean, that little sparrow didn't do that. It instinctively trusted its creator to be there to give it what it needed. And so, if, again, if God takes interest in a bird, a little brown sparrow, because they're a part of his creation, how much more would he be paying attention to you, the prize of his creation? We are the prize of his creation. And I, I remember when God was teaching me you know, over and over about trusting him for provision, the desire of my heart. This was, well, how many years ago? I don't know, 1989 or so, so count the years. The desire of my heart was to leave a full-time nursing career and be a stay-at-home mom. It's like I just, I wanted to leave that behind. I wanted to raise our children and just be a stay-at-home mom. I say just. It's a big job Amen. to be a mom. I shouldn't say just. And I knew, we knew the Holy Spirit was leading us in this direction to take that step of faith. And it was a huge step of faith to leave one full-time income behind. It's like, how can we do this? And again, my logical mind was like, uh, this could never work. And I struggled with worry a lot. And because one day I'd think, no, I, God, you're big, you can do this. And again, the next day I'm thinking, are you crazy? You're going to have to work. This will, never, this will never be able to come about. 
And so I struggled with it for the longest time, and I was always, I did finally do it, but I was always still entertaining this backup plan. Well, maybe I can go back part-time if this doesn't work. <laughs> A backup plan. How many of you have backup plans when God says, go out and do this, and then in the back of your mind, it's like, well, that sounds really risky, but if it doesn't work, I could always... Trust in the Lord, which show me Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord, it says, with all of your heart. And don't quit leaning to your own understanding. And I felt like I lean a lot to my own understanding. I always fall back to the what if. And it all just boiled down to worry. He and I, Steve and I would pray about it. What should we do? And I could remember. He has an easier time casting his care than I do. Because <laughs> he said, I feel, like, I feel like God just said, trust me. And I thought, well, that's nice. <laughs> I am trusting him the best I can, but now what? I didn't know how to just let go. It's like, trust him, but I, don't I have to do something else? I mean, he was, he was teaching me, you give up control of your life to me. You rest in knowing I'm big. I can make this work out. But I was always leaning to my own understanding. How are you going to do this? It seems impossible. Like, what if we get behind on our bills? What if we get behind on the mortgage? What if our children starve? You know, you get your mind. <laughs> then what would my family and friends think? Scripture says we cannot serve God and money. Money's a biggie for us because in our money we have this sense of security and safety, provision. And God's saying, you know, he was dealing with me on it. I think he deals with every one of us on it because of that safety and security and the image that money has to us. Like even what we have creates an image. And if what if I have less and my... The image of how people see me changes. God wants our security wrapped up in him. Yes. That's what he wants. And, and, you know, I'm not promoting when I say God was leading me to quit and trust me for provision. I'm not talking about presumption here. Right. Well, I just want to, okay, you did that. I, I want to really quit my job because I don't like it. And I'm just going to trust God to provide. <laughs> I mean, God may not be leading you to quit, but actually learn to persevere in a hard place. Trust him that he will give you patience and strength and perseverance and a good attitude to stay faithful right where you are instead of quitting. But, you know, I knew for me God was telling me to stop. And I just felt like I was stepping out. It was like stepping out on water. Like, is there going to be safety here if I, if I do this? Will you uphold me? It's just like when Peter stepped out of the boat. It was like the Lord was saying, come on, come on, step out. And it's like Peter stepped out of the boat. And it, there came a point uh, where my heart was finally willing to give over. It was like, well, sink or swim. Because after t I did this for two years, going back to work, stopping, taking up part-time you know, work again and stopping. And I knew at some point after two years, I think how patient the Lord is when he tells you to stop. And you keep going back. But my heart was finally ready. It was like, God, whether I sink or I swim, I'm just willing to trust you with all my heart. Here we go. And you know what? Jesus was faithful. <laughs> we didn't sink. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> yep. And he taught us so much through it all. Because I know we would never have had faith to trust and believe for finances and things and have this building. He starts us right where we are. He starts us with a step of faith right in front of us to help us step out of our, our boat. I mean, our mortgage was always paid. Our bills were never behind. And our needs were always met. And, and this is important to know. He supplies all of your needs, not necessarily your wants. Like, I want this, I want that. But your needs, your basic needs, he always provided for. And even in the midst of it, we were able to tithe. We tithe. We were obedient. We saw that in scripture, and uh, we, we did that joyfully. We thought, this is awesome that I can connect and partner with God, and he could protect and our finances, and I can give to the kingdom. I can seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and distrusted, you'll take care of it all. And he has. He has done it over and over and over again through the years. He's faithful, yes. It just, you know, when you step out on the water with the Lord, it, re it reminds me of that song, Oceans. We haven't sung that in a while, but it was a really popular song. You know, you call me out upon the water, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And it goes on to say, but there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faithful stand. I love the words of that song because it goes on to say, and I will call upon the Lord and fix my eyes above the waves. See, this is, the, this is what we have to do. We step out. It's like we don't want to do what Peter did. Remember the story? I think that's in Matthew. The story where Peter and the disciples are in the boat. And Jesus sends them in the boat to go across the lake. And then it's like the third watch of the night. It's just in the middle of the night and the winds are picking up and buffeting the boat and water splashing in the boat. And the, the guys in the boat, they're getting worried. And then all of a sudden they see Jesus coming walking on the water and that they were not just worried, they're panicked. They're like, ah, we've seen a ghost. <laughs> and Jesus quickly says, take courage, don't be afraid, it's me. It's me, like I'm here with you. And then Peter's like, Jesus, if this is really you, call me out. And Peter has faith. Jesus says, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and he actually starts walking on water. <laughs> he actually starts to walk on water. He started, but what happened? Yeah, looking at the waves. He perceived the wind and the waves around him. All of a sudden, he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he started to feel the wind, saw the waves, the water's in the... It's like, ah, he starts to sink, right? Yeah. And Jesus, in his mercy, reaches out his hand and catches him. Remember, you know, I got you in the palm of my hand. He reaches out his hand and catches him and says, oh, Peter, you know, like, why did you doubt? You a little faith. Think about what the Lord... I know. I'm walking on water. I'm walking on water. The wind's blowing me around, you know. Yeah, the waves are crashing through. I've got sea salt in my face. And it's like, why'd you doubt? What kind of strength of spirit has the Lord put on the inside of us? That he would say, why'd you doubt? He, we can live a life free of worry. We can put our full trust in the Lord when we see that bigger picture. Because it says then they both climbed after he caught him and he picked him up, you know, out of the water. So then they both walked into the boat. I mean, that whole scene had to be awesome, yeah. And it said then, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, yes, saying, truly you are the son of God. But, you know, think about it. That's one story in there. That's in the middle of Matthew. And still by the end of the book, it said, you know, that he comes to the mount where he ascends. And some people knew these stories. And, and even, the, even the disciples, like Thomas, would still doubt. So this thing of worry and doubt is going to, you know, it'll, it kind of wants to plague us all the time. We just have to recognize that's not who I am. Those are not my thoughts. That's coming from the flesh. I think with the mind of the spirit, you know, that the Lord is with me. The Lord's got me in the palm of his hand. He's upholding me with his righteous right hand. And when you begin to practice that over and over, and it does take over and over and over. How many of you have found that? Sometimes I just think, well, I learned that lesson. Oh, good, I'm done with that. It's like, nope. <laughs> you get into another situation where you feel like, here we go again. You turn the page of your life. It's like, well, that was one mountain. I'm glad that's we got over that. And it's like, what? Another? <laughs> but when you realize the strength of spirit you've been given, that we've been given in Christ, like the Jesus would say, why did you doubt, Peter? A little, you had little faith. We can do it. We can be the overcomers that God's called us to be. If we set our mind in the right direction and we quit taking that negative thinking path. So, you know, whether you feel like Jesus is, you know, calling you to walk out on water with him or telling you, hey, bring me into the boat. Because some of us are in our own boat. We were splashing around with our oars. We're trying to get through the wind and the waves. And the Lord's saying, why don't you 
call me into the boat. I'll, I'll take you to the other side. Yeah. And so we're going to close here. These lessons of faith and trust really are primary to our walk with Christ. This is really the gist of what it means to believe. When we say, believe in the Lord with all your heart, it isn't, believing isn't just an event. I believed, and then you just live any old way. Believing involves a life of trust and surrender. We surrender our doubts, we surrender our fears, we surrender our worry. That's how we jump the track in our mind. We, we, we get a new groove going, right? The mind of the spirit. Because life's going to throw at you and me all kind of challenges. Tempting us, worry, what if? Fret, have anxiety about it. You know, it's just like what Jason mentioned about during the offering. There's supply shortages, they tell us, on the horizon. Not just of good, all kind of goods, including food. You know, prices are going up. People are still fearful about COVID. We need to learn the lesson of trust. We need to take this as an opportunity and ask ourselves, how do I deal with this? Am I doing this all on my own? And what am I teaching my children? Well, your kids pick up on worry. Your kids pick up on it in the atmosphere of your home. They can feel how you're dealing with it, how you're talking about it. I remember one time walking with my daughter, and uh, I hadn't said a word to her. I, she was playing with friends, and we were, she was down the road, and I took her hand. Hi, come on, we're going home. And I had been worrying all day long. Just, it was just spiritual warfare about my health and it was I didn't say a word to her and we're walking along and she looked up at me she goes mommy is everything okay and I remember thinking wow the she could pick up on that spiritual vibe you know of worry and that's when I mean over and over again I thought I am going to fight the fight of faith I am going to overcome this pattern of worry in my life we don't want to just tell our child, here's a popping widget, here's a squeegee. You're worried about something here. Play with this for a while and see if it helps. No, we're going to say, honey, come here. You know, we're going to show them a scripture, this word, something simple. Proverbs, trust in the Lord. We're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. I know it's scary. We don't have to pretend it's not scary. There are scary things out there. But God is bigger, right? God is the mountain mover. God's the one who, who holds us in the palm of his hand. He's the creator of all things. He sees all things. His eyes on that little sparrow. He sees what that little bird in the tree is doing. How much more are his eyes on you? So we're going to cast our care. We have to teach our children these things. Let's pray now. Cast our care upon the Lord Jesus. You see our situation. You see what we're going through. You tell us not to be afraid, so we're not going to be afraid. We will fear not, for we know you're with us. And we know, Lord, if we give this situation to you, you'll deal with it. You'll make it come out the way it needs to come out. We don't have to carry that burden. I thank you, Father. I thank you for helping, helping the people today, helping our homes, Lord, be homes where there's a sense of safety and security and the love of God and the help of God. But Jesus, you know the hairs on our head. And your eye is on that little bird, on that sparrow. How much more is your eye on us? We let go, Lord. Whatever it is that you may be dealing with in your heart right now, things that you've been mulling over, there is no solution. Just give it to the Lord. Just obey the scripture. I'm going to cast my care. I'm going to throw the burden off of my shoulder, off of my mind. I'm going to give it to you. Put it in your hands. And I'm going to just say thank you, Lord, for dealing with it. Thank you that I can walk today carefree 
And if it wants to come back to my mind and tell me, yeah, well, and what if and what if, just say, no, 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 I've already given that to the Lord. He's working on it. Just like that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, we know you're working. You, we know you'll never leave us or forsake us. desire today to ask him you feel like I'm ready to invite you into my heart as much as I can give you Lord I'm going to give it to you all you do is scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will be saved because salvation is a gift and so father if there's anybody in here today I pray you draw them to the knowledge of you through just a simple prayer that says Jesus forgive me of my sin Come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. Open my eyes, Lord, to see who you really are and help me to walk with you and trust you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 